The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Carl Thomas is on holidays, but we're delighted that Larry Donnelly joins us tonight alongside Marion McKeown for our weekly discussion on the United States of America, which, Marion, I suspect is going to become increasingly important each week as we move towards the presidential election in November. Are we facing a situation, without wanting to sound too dramatic or too exaggerated, where America has to decide this year whether it wants democracy or not? Well, you know, I think that that is definitely on the ballot this year, that that if Donald Trump wins the election, and he has made no secret of this, that he does intend to use the presidency as a retributive sort of chair, that he can go after his enemies, he can do what he wants, he's promised mass deportations, he's promised a whole bunch of stuff. Now, the court system in America does still exist, and it is still strong, and I think, you know, the the, the institutions of democracy are still relatively robust, but this would be an unprecedented stress test. Uh, I, the only thing I've learned in 20 years of covering America American politics, Matt, is that anything can happen. Um, and even the most unthinkable things can happen. So I think we're in for a rocky ride this year. I'm heading to Iowa very shortly uh, and then New Hampshire after that. And, and I think that these early states are very important, but it does seem in a normal year they would be critical, but it does seem that Trump has a lock on this thing. Uh, that that so far looks like it will be very, very difficult for any of the other Republican candidates to break. Okay, so we're assuming that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee, although there are things that could happen that might stop that. Absolutely. Larry Donnelly, would you share concerns that this is the most important year for America since, well, in living memory perhaps, if you're coming to defending uh, democracy and its institutions? Uh, I think it's hugely significant, Matt. There's no question about it. And, you know, look, like so many people, you know, in the United States and around the world, uh, I fear the prospect of a second uh, Trump presidency based uh, not just on the past, but based on the things, as Marion says, uh, that he has already announced in terms of his, his intentions. Uh, that having been said, uh, maybe it's the Boy Scout, American educated person in me. Uh, I still do have faith in the institutions of American democracy. Uh, perhaps it's somewhat misplaced. But if we look to last time around in the horrific events, uh, the last uh, to 2021, um, the reality is the institutions bent, but they didn't uh, they didn't break. And, and the other thing I just say about American democracy, uh, and I know Marion might take issue with what I'm going to say, is that uh, I think in terms of things like voting and getting access to ballots, uh, if you look at voting in the United States, it's actually, despite the popular narrative, it's actually never been easier to cast a ballot in in America. Weeks before, in person, by post, uh, all of that stuff I think is really welcome and I think fuels me with some optimism uh, in a context which there's a lot to be pessimistic. Yeah, but Larry, I take your point on that, but isn't there also concerns that an awful lot of those who oversee the voting system are walking away from it because of intimidation and that whatever the fairness of the vote, it will be queried by Trump and his people if they don't get what they want. And of course, that's deeply worrying. There's no question that 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 happens uh, and where it does. Again, that's where the institutional safeguards need to be there. They need to be robust. Uh, I would say, however, uh, that some of the fears about that and some of the fears of endemic corruption, uh, I just don't accept. I don't think it is uh, as widespread of that. I think that there's still uh, an awful lot of integrity uh, to the electoral process. Uh, I think where the problem in America really lies, uh, I think there's a difference between the electoral system and the political system. In my view, uh, the electoral system still works. In my view, the political system is broken.
Indeed. Could it be, that Marion, that the problem actually really isn't Trump? The problem is the people that Trump appeals to. Uh, well, I, I don't know how you separate those two. I, look, I, th- I think, just picking up what Larry said, I think that there is a reasonably robust um, guardrail as, as the, regards the conduct of the election. It is a lot easier to vote now in America than it was um, even eight years ago. My big concern is voter turnout, that when voters see that Trump's base will turn out, they are completely motivated. I haven't spoken to a single Trump supporter who isn't going to be at the ballot the second they can cast their vote. Uh, for Biden, I think it's a much bigger problem. I think that a lot of people are going to think, yeah, you know, he didn't give us, he did, he promised this, he promised that, um, and they're just, he's just not inspiring them. And they're the people who tend to stay at home. A lot of electoral workers have left, though. That is a problem. There is a lot of institutional knowledge that will go. But I think people locally in their own communities do want to run their elections properly, and I think that that should be okay. What about Marion? Though the prospect of third-party. Uh names on the presidential ballot paper, skewing things perhaps in Trump's favour, that if Robert Kennedy Jr. or others were to be there, that they would take votes from Biden. Well, I think this is going to be one of Biden's biggest problems. And, you know, so many people have said, oh, well, Robert Kennedy will take votes from Trump as well. I just don't see it. Not a single person. I've said this to before, Matt, on the show at any Robert Kennedy events I've been to, and I've been to quite a few of them, not a single person who was there was a Trump supporter. They were all Democrats who were looking for somebody else or independents who were looking for somebody else and a few very, very soft Republicans. So I think that Robert F. Kennedy, even if he just gets on the ballot, on a dozen states. It's difficult to get on the ballot. It's expensive. He doesn't have the money at the moment, although he has got some big backers. I mean, he was auctioning off rubbish, frankly, this weekend. He, you know, a lot of the way he's running his campaign is pretty similar to Donald Trump. Uh, and uh, But I think that even though he won't get on the 50 ballots, it's very unlikely. I think he will be on enough ballots to do damage, to, and, and the damage will be done to Biden, particularly in places like Arizona and Michigan, and swing states that Biden has to win. Okay. Could we actually have a situation, Larry, that the Democrats could persuade Biden not to run on the basis that people are making an issue of his age, even if he is only four years older than Trump, about his health, even if there's no valid proof to suggest that he is suffering any mental impairments, but that if he's losing this coalition, that if it is fraying, that it would be in the interest not just of the Democratic Party, but of America to let somebody else run in his stead. These are the conversations that should have been going on two years ago, to be frank with you, Matt. Uh, The window really is closing at this stage. I mean, we're talking primary filing deadlines have passed uh, in terms of someone getting up and running uh, and assembling the mechanics of a presidential campaign. It is very, very late in the day. What's more, we've seen no sign whatsoever uh, that Joe Biden is returning. A lot of people I know who know him uh, say that he's obsessed with proving people wrong. Uh, and I think that goes back to a lot of his history, uh, which in many ways is inspiring and fairness to Joe Biden. But that is what seems to animate him uh, at many levels. And this is what I mean about the political system in the United States being broken. The fact that Biden and his allies and the Democratic National Committee uh, and powerful donors, uh, a lot of whom in fairness owe their positions and power all an awful lot to joe biden the fact that they were effectively able to box out 
any potential challenges when the reality is uh, Democrats had to see this coming. They knew uh, it would be a problem. Uh, the fact that he still uh, looks to see, to get the Democratic nomination without any real contest uh, is a significant indictment uh, of the process. And that's, again, that's what I mean when politics is broken. And what's at the heart of so much of it? Uh, I'm afraid to say it, and I'm sorry if this sounds glib, but it's the almighty buck. Okay, how is it, Marion, that Trump is now seems to be gaining some support amongst Latino voters? Uh, I think that it, it, that to me is a little a bit of a mystery, but I will say that a lot of Latino voters in America are small business owners and, um, and, and some slightly bigger business owners, and they want low taxes. This is from speaking to Latinos who support Trump. That's what I'm getting, that a lot of them are very independent. They run businesses. They in Interestingly, a lot of them want immigration controls. They believe that what's happening at the border at the moment where you have about 10,000 people a day uh, coming over on some days, and this is peak season for, for immigration surges, that it's damaging to them, it's damaging to their, the perception of them. And they and a lot of them say, well, I have to, you know, basically come over as fair and square. I have to jump through the hoops. And why shouldn't everybody else? So immigration isn't as big an issue among Latino voters as you might think, notwithstanding Trump's up appalling comments about poisoning the blood of the country and mass deportations, etc. I am surprised in my conversations with Latinos, a little impact they're having. And as I say, they're focused more on, on things like lower taxes. And that, that they, they also seem to like Trump. They seem to like that sort of strongman swagger that he has, the ones that I speak to. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but they do seem to be peeling away from Biden. Uh, and that is a problem. Okay, so... Another thing that has been a major political issue, Larry, in the last couple of years has been abortion, particularly with the overturning of Roe versus Wade by the US Supreme Court. But could it be, bizarrely enough, that this is something that the Democrats could end up campaigning on in the majority of states, that they will actually make abortion rights something central to getting Biden re-elected? Yeah, I, I think that there's no doubt since the overturn of Roe versus Wade that uh, what had been a tricky issue for Democrats uh, has morphed into something I think um, that's more more seen as a winner, in particular uh, with the demographics of people who decide uh, elections. So I think in certain places, yes, I think uh, abortion will be front and center uh, on the agenda. But just just to jump back to something, it, it, you know, abortion is a, a sort of a logical lead-in from the, the comments Marion was making. The one thing I think that Marion didn't point out uh, in terms of why Latinos are drifting towards Trump and the Republican Party, it actually predates Trump. And the reality is this, that they are more socially conservative and religious uh, than most Americans. And the Democratic Party's lurch to the left uh, has dismayed them uh, a great deal. So while abortion, if Republicans are shrewd in this election, they'll probably leave uh, abortion in the background. But there are other culture war issues that animate people, in particular uh, the gender identity issue and as well as that uh, parental control over public school education and the curriculum. These are big winners with vast swathes of America and indeed uh, with the Latino community as well. Okay, Marion, explain to me how it is that the Supreme Court decision in relation to abortion, the rationale behind it, could actually be a problem for Trump as he tries to get back on the primary ballot in some states in the United States. 
Right. Well, the Supreme Court has made its most controversial decisions recently, and I'm talking the one to overturn Roe v. Wade and also the New York gun law one where it struck down the New York state gun laws on the basis of it claims that it interprets the Constitution as in an originalist, textualist manner. Now, what that means is that when the Supreme Court ultra-conservative majority look at the Constitution, they think, what were the framers thinking back in 1865 and 50-80 years earlier when they were writing? the Constitution and if it, they say if it wasn't in their mind then that they are not going to impute it now so it means that you literally interpret the Constitution as it is without any regard for societal developments, evolution technology, anything in the last 200 years and it, to me frankly it seems absurd but this is how they say they're doing it. Now if they apply that standard to Article, uh, I beg your pardon, the 14th Amendment Section 3, um, it seems like a no-brainer because that they would have to kick Trump off the ballot because it's, you know, I think that it can be agreed as a matter of fact that, you know, if you look at the January 6th committee reports, etc., that Trump did, if he, if he you know, he was involved in the, the insurrection that happened on January 6th. Uh, in, and we've seen the evidence that has come out in various court cases, but I think so he should be offered because that, that amendment doesn't say they must be convicted of insurrection. It doesn't say Say anything about how Congress has to enforce an act to do it or, or anything else. It's a self-executing uh, section. But I think that the Supreme Court, and it probably for the better in a way, is going to um, come around and say, no, 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 basically he, the impeachment, he was he survived the impeachment trial, uh, he wasn't convicted, This he was denied due process in Colorado, whatever, whatever they can come up with to avoid coming to the conclusion they would otherwise have to come to uh, by their own standards, basically. Basically. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they try to stay out of this and make sure Trump stays on the ballot. OK, listen, the same question I'm going to put to both of you to finish off, because we have been talking about it been almost a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Biden versus Trump, possibly with third party. If it wasn't to be Biden versus Trump, if it was to be a different Democrat and different Republican, who would it be, Marion, and who would win? Well, I think for my money, Gretchen Whitmer would be the best, the strongest Democratic candidate. She has been a really exceptional governor of Michigan, which is a really tough state, half Democrat, half deep red. She has an executive team around her that are incredibly efficient. I would choose her and I think that it would be Nikki Haley as well. Um, And I think that, you know, there's a a chance, a narrow chance, but it's there that Nikki Haley could uh, take New Hampshire from Trump, that she could snatch it away if Chris Christie pulls out. So I think, you know, I think she's marked her card for 2028. There's talk about her being Trump's vice president. We'll see how that all goes. But I think that it would be for my money, Gretchen Whitmer and very likely Nikki Haley. Okay, same question to you, Larry. Yeah, and I'm going to give you the same answer. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer is an absolute powerhouse of, of a politician who's shown a capacity to work across the aisle. She's popular with even with Republicans. She's popular uh, in Middle America, uh, and likewise, Nikki Haley uh, is an, you know a very very strong candidate. Uh, and it really makes me lament, to be honest with you, when you look at we could have a matchup. Uh, between Haley and Whitmer, one that would really, I think, invigorate uh, American democracy and provide voters with a very interesting choice and a very interesting campaign. Uh, Instead, we're stuck uh, with the same old, same old. And that's why uh, I keep saying, uh, unfortunately, it gives me no joy, but the political system in the United States is broken. 
Thank you very much, Larry Donnelly and Barry McKeown for being with us this evening. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today, F-